So this year, and God just recently spoke this to me. I think I posted it last night. This year's theme is really about living a fearless life. And I don't know if there are, we have the lights kind of down. I love the lights down because if we ask you a question to raise your hand or, or make a move, sometimes it's hard to do that with all the lights up. So we like to keep it a little intimate, a little dark in here. But how many women in this room would say by a little show of hands that they either deal with doubt, fear, maybe it's doubt in themselves, doubt in a the situation. They deal with anxiety. They deal with uncertainty. They deal with overwhelming Feelings, maybe they're just tired, but how many women in this room have that at some point? I know I have. I think it's something that is known by a lot of women, most women as a matter of fact, and I'm gonna talk today a little bit about why that is. Where where that comes from, specifically for women, how to overcome it, and really just how spiritual the tie and that bondage and that chain really is. And hopefully what it will do is this. Who knows that if you're bound by something, whether it be a shackle, a prison, something has got you bound. Ladies, you all know what that is? It is a lot of times it is fear or it's associated with fear. Well, what do you need to break some kind of bondage? Whether it be an iron chain or a prison, you need a key, right? Somebody's got to bring a key. And it, through the of God, that key oftentimes is delivered through people by God with the words of their testimony, the word of their experience, the word of God itself. He has made us the, the ones that walk on this earth to deliver the keys to those who are being bound by something. So today, I'm going to give you a key that God shared with me. And my hope and my prayer is that you can somehow, if it's one scripture, one word, something that God does will allow you to take that key, put it in your lock, and open the door to what God has. And you can walk out of this room differently than the way you walked in. But first to do that, I want to intro a video. Um, Joe, real quick, it is the first video we're going to do today. This one is Lisa Bevere. everybody to look at the neighbor and say, I'm an answer, not your problem. <laughs> okay, isn't that awesome? Okay. Okay, now look at your neighbor and say, you're an answer, not my problem. Okay. When women think being a woman is a problem, they try to act like men. And we have had the whole culture of feminism saying, if you want to be powerful as a woman, act like a man. Well, I don't want to act like a man. I want to act like a woman. Because God said that woman needs to have an expression. Now, that's great to understand that we're not each other's problems. But the second thing is, if you're an answer, you need to begin to act like one. So tomorrow morning when you all brush your teeth, I want you to look in the mirror. Once you get a little sister attitude, come and get your hip out, go in like this, take your toothbrush out, point it at the mirror, and say, there is a problem out there. I am the answer to. You need to begin to see yourself as a God-crafted answer to relational problems. You are an answer in a world that is desperate for something that you carry. And men and women together are better answers than either of them are apart. Yes. My husband is X 
and Y. God's like, I'm going to make the man. He's going to be X and Y. That is his chromosome structure. But then God's like, that's awesome. But I just want to know what might happen if I could isolate the X, raise it to the second power, X, X. Okay, that is the woman. Because we are XX, God said, she'll multiply everything. She'll multiply everything I give her. You know, my husband gave me a house. I gave him a home. He gave me his last name. I gave him four boys with a last name. I'm trying to claim the grandkids. I mean, everything that he gave me, I gave it back to him, multiplied and in strength. But women that are broken don't multiply. They divide. And so it's really important that we allow God to change the way we see ourselves. That you understand that you are an answer. You say, I'm not an answer. Jesus is the answer. Well, Jesus is in heaven. You are going to be the only Jesus a lot of people will ever see. You are his hands. You are his feet. You know, Jesus didn't just take your place. He gave you his. He gave you his name. He gave you his authority. He gave you his perspective. We need to actually walk out what Jesus gave us. Amen. Amen. I mean, how many women in here will say, I'm an answer? Can you guys say it? One, two, three. I'm an answer. Amen. And how do we begin to be this answer? Let me tell you how we begin to be this answer. All right, so I told you today it's about living a fearless life. So what is fearless? Fearless is not, in in my definition today, what we're going to talk about, fear is not the absence of, fearless is not the absence of fear. It's what you do with that fear. It's the action that you take is how you become fearless. Because I tell you what, if I step outside my house and there's a rattlesnake outside my door, I'm going to jump. There's going to be a fear that hits me. But it's what I do when I see that snake. Am I going to let it run off? Am I going to let it get out there where my kids may play? No. I'm going to pick up a shovel or whatever's next to me and I'm going to go at that snake and I'm going to chop its head off. It's what we do with the fear as opposed to the fear itself. And so God really revealed this to me in a way and I wanted to share this with you. It was was about a month ago for Mother's Day. How many people in this room, your children speak something to you at a young age, so profound, you're like, wow, can't believe a child just said that. Isn't that amazing? That's how God creates them. Now, that is good and bad because there are times Alexis or Haley will say something, I'm like, wow, use that to speak to me. Then there are times we'll be walking through a crowd of people and one of them will say, Haley will say, Mama, do you see that boy and girl kissing? That is so gross, nasty, as loud as she can in a crowd of people. And I'm thinking, oh, shh, shh, Haley, no, whose child is this over here? You know, because they'll say things at the craziest time as loud as they can. But it's so, it's so wonderful and so beautiful because they have such a pure heart. And wouldn't it just be wonderful if we could just have that heart all the time? tell you. Well, what happened and what this kind of came out of as I was getting ready for this Mother's Day, I knew I wanted to stay within our theme of women knowing who God created them to be. Not just mothers, but women. And the reason it's for all women is because all women have that spirit, have that thing in them of being a mother. I don't care if you are a mother, will be a mother, or if you're a woman that says, I will not have children. Odds are in your life, you're going to mother someone. 
It's in you. You may not have a child that is, is yours. You may not adopt a child. You may decide children aren't for you, but you will mother someone in your life, whether or not you know it. So this is really for every woman. How God revealed it to me was about a month ago, on a drive to gymnastics class with Alexis. There were things going on at school and we talk a lot on those little short rides. It's about a 10 minute ride. And we were talking about situations, kids, things like that, other kids at school and how to deal with it. And I was kind of sharing with her some things that when I was her age, I went through or things she could do. And she said, mom, you're not afraid of anything. And I, it paused in me because it, it, it really just took me back and almost choked me up a little bit because I remember back to a time when she was tiny and probably too young to remember that fear was a huge part of who the enemy had, had made me at that time in my life. I thought back in that moment of, if you'd only seen me a few years ago. And my response to that was this. It was, baby, mama's, it's not that mom is not afraid. It's what we do when we are afraid that makes us be able to stand up to those things that the enemy does. See, it's important for people to know that fear will come, but it's how you overcome that fear that changes the ball game. So Kel, we're going to dive in real quick. And I tell you what I, I'm going to do. I'm not going to do. I'm going to, we have about 30 minutes here. And so we're not going to put a bunch, put a bunch of scriptures up on the screen because then you'll be breathing and hearing. I just want you to hear it. But if you hear a scripture that later on you think, you know what, I may need that, just put it in your phone or write it down real quick. That's what I do. I put it in my phone real quick because I know I may not think about it here. I want to hear what's going on, but later I may. So I'm going to go through this kind of quickly in, in reference to the scripture. So where did this fear come from for women? Where did this overwhelming fear, questioning, doubting ourselves, doubting our circumstances, doubting every choice, every decision we make, doubting if our kids will be okay, won't they be okay, what if this happens, where did all this come from? It's something that every woman in one way or another at some point in her life deals with. And it's a very, very common thread. And we see it in our society today grabbing hold more and more and more. And I know men deal with it to a degree, but we hear these women say, what do I do? Well, let me give you a little bit of insight first on where does this come from? And that's where it started for me. Where does this come from? And this revelation, I'd heard this scripture and these stories a million times we all have in this room. But I want to share with you the key that God gave me to unlock the mystery for me that really changed that in me. Because it's great to know who someone was. Maybe they were fearful of this. And to see the change at the end, they're different. But how do they get there? How do they get there? All right, so what God showed me, and really, it goes back to the beginning for women. In a story that we've heard a million times of the creation story of man and woman. We've heard it a million times. But we can, who can say they hear a scripture sometimes and know what it says, and then years later, something happens, they go through something, and that scripture takes on a whole new meaning. Raise your hand if that's ever happened. Man, woman, you see something, it makes sense, but then, wow. It's like something new is opened up and you want to tell everybody because you don't think anybody's seen it, but they probably have seen it, you know? So if you have seen this before, then, wow, that's amazing. You are totally blessed. But I didn't see it, so I'm going to share it. So... It starts in Genesis, and I tell you, and I'm going to go through, I'm not going to read it word for word, but I'm going to start in Genesis 2, where it starts in, in Genesis 2, 17, and it starts explaining where God is talking to Adam, and he says, okay, you can eat of every tree in the garden, he's explaining, but do not eat of this one tree. We all know that. Then it goes on in 18, it says, 
um, it's, God says it's not good for man to be alone. Cricket mentioned that earlier. So God recognized for Adam there was a need. There was a need there. There was something, maybe it was something missing. Maybe it was a need. It was something God saw. But often one we skip over is between 19 and 20. Actually, so this is Genesis 2 around 19 and 20. It talks about God went on creating the wild beast, the birds, all of these animals, all of these things, and he brought them to Adam to name them. Okay, so he brought them to him to name them. And then it says, but none of these were suitable to Adam. So right there, sometimes we get caught up with things in the world. We have things brought to us we think are going to be the answer, going to be the solution, and they're not. Amen? Amen. See, God brought these animals and Adam had the, he named the animals and that was what he did, but it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't enough. How many of you thought something would be an answer and it just wasn't enough what you thought it would be when you got there? That's Adam right here. But then it goes on to say in verse 21, you know, the story goes on to say, cause him to go to God, cause Adam to go to sleep. And then we see him take the rib and the the story continues there. But in, in 23, Adam says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I I shall call her woman. He found the fulfillment in Eve. This was it. This was the answer. Men, why are women, why are you drawn to women so strongly? Why are you drawn to that godly wife you have? Why do some women in the world who may not be godly women, why do they draw you in? For reason right here. See, Eve was made for Adam because she was the answer to what he needed. She was his answer. Lisa Bevere in this talked about you being the answer. But let's go deeper than that. Okay, let's go deeper than that. Because that explains why it's an answer for the man, right? But that's not necessary. Some of the women who maybe you're not married, you don't feel and understand that. Let's go even deeper into the spiritual side of the war and the battle between God and the enemy. Are you all ready to do that this morning? Let's look deeper because this one is for you, women. This one's for you. That explains Adam, but we're going to talk about you now. Because it's still here in verses 2 and 3, that secret key. I just wanted you to get a foundation, but here we go. So how do you become fearless? What does the scripture say? Well, one of the many scriptures that comes to my mind is um, somewhere in 1 John 4, 16 through 18. It talks about God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. Or some translations say there's not fear in love. Either way, you read that. But perfect, what is perfect love? Let me, I'm going to give you three this morning. Three that I want to touch on. The first two are going to be quick. The last one's about you. All right. So the first two, the first one is a miracle of love. All three are miracles of love. It's the miracle of salvation. It's that free gift of love that Jesus died on that cross. That if we call out to him and say, you are our Lord, our Savior, rescue me. God, I give my life over to you. You will be saved. It's a miracle. You will be saved. It is a true miracle of that undying love that God gave his only son. Would you agree? Amen? Amen. The second one that I want to touch on really quickly, because all these are going to come back at the end. The second one I want to touch on is the miracle of the marriage. The miracle of man and woman becoming one. What that really means. That is a miracle of love, or that is the way God designed it to be. The miracle, perfect love of a man and a woman coming together and being one. Amen? So those two are about men and women. But ladies, did you know there's a third miracle in love? And Cricket may be sitting over there kind of nervous about what I'm going to say. There's a third miracle of love that's really for you. 
It's not for men, and Cricket's nervous right now, but I'm going to explain what that is. He's like, what is she about to say? What is not for men is for women. It's the miracle of being able to have a child. And now he's okay, because he's like, I'm not going to do that, so that's good, go ahead. But the miracle of being able to have a child, and why that is so, so powerful, because that love, that indescribable feeling that you can't plan for, can't understand, you can't know until that process happens and you go through that pain, you go through all of that and that child is there. So you have the physical aspect of the love of a child, then you have another aspect of the love of a child and we see this in the Bible where a woman takes a child that she, that was not born to her, it becomes her child. She adopts that child, maybe she fosters that child, but in some way this love, this connection to mother this child that you didn't bear comes out and you have this indescribable love that you can't explain to anyone else. It is that love of a mother because what is part the first part of being fearless? Perfect love casts out all fear. We've got to know that God loves us because that verse in John, 1 John says, God is love. And God revealed his love to me and has revealed his love to me in those seasons. So you've got the miracle of love, salvation. You've got the miracle of love and two becoming one in marriage. And then ladies, you've got the, the one miracle of having and mothering that child. But let me explain to you why that's such a miracle. You, you heard in the video, she said, you're a warrior. Do you understand why you're a warrior? Do we really understand why we're warriors? Do we understand how God designed it to be a warrior? Here's the thing, ladies, that is just for you. Let me show you what God revealed to me. So we talked about in Genesis 2 about Eve was the completion for Adam. She was the missing piece. But why? Why was she the missing piece? Well, let's go on, and I'm actually going to pull my phone out for this one because it's long and I had it saved in my Bible app. Okay. So we see in Genesis, and again, we're not going to put up the scriptures. I'm just going to run through it, but I will reference the scriptures. So at the very beginning in Genesis 3, 1, we see it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal that the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God really say, i got to stop right there. So he said to the woman. We're going to see at the end of this that Adam was standing with her. You'll see it. I'm gonna, I don't worry. I'm going to say it in a minute. But Adam was standing with her. So what does that show you? The enemy, cho- the serpent, chose the woman. And there was a reason the serpent chose the woman. Are you guys ready to hear the reason the serpent chose the woman? All right. So it says he chose the woman and he spoke to her. And I'm going to read really fast right here. He said, um, did God really tell you, you must not eat of every tree? And then it says, the woman said to the serpent, she said what God had told her, that we may eat of all the trees in the garden, but we must not eat of this tree. And she went on to talk about it. Down in four, it says, I'm going a little fast here because I want to get to my point as quickly as possible. You, the serpent said, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God in knowing. So the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desired to gain wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. She gave it to her husband who, with her, who was with her and he ate it. So let me read that one again. So it says... That she, decided, that she made the choice to take the fruit, to bite the fruit. We all know that, right? But then it says that, you get down here, because I don't want to read it wrong. 
Let me back up. She, okay, so she, uh, she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. It didn't say she had to go get him. It didn't say she had to convince him, manipulate him, anything. It says she gave some to her husband and he ate it. So the man was there, the woman was there, the serpent was there. He spoke to the woman. She took and did what God had told her not to do, and then she turned to the man. Why is that important? I want you to remember that. Who did the serpent first address? The woman. And we're going to find out why, because God reveals it. It's amazing at the end of Genesis 3, and this will be... The reason that as a woman and your children and even man, this is the reason we have a destiny. Are you ready? This is the reason because she did, she bit the apple and Adam bit the apple necessitated the reason for a savior, for Jesus to come and die for our sins. Without that, we would have no hope of eternal life. So that in of itself comes into repentance and what we have to do in our life. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But right now, let's, let's focus here on this because I want to show you something else. Ladies, have you ever felt, and that, let's not say the justified, like you mess up and, and you, should, you feel this way and you need to apologize. We all know what that is, but let's talk about a different way for women. Have you ever felt something was your fault? And people tell you it's not your fault, but you still feel like it's your fault. You believe it's your fault. You think it's your fault. You know it's your fault when it's not really your fault. Have you ever felt burdened? Have you ever felt guilt? It was not yours to bear. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like something was your fault. Maybe you put it on yourself. Someone else put it on you. Someone else said it to you. The enemy worked through your own mind saying it. Have you ever felt an overwhelming burden that just crushed you? Anybody ever felt that? You didn't know where it came from? Didn't know where it came from? Amen. Amen. We all have at one point or another. So let me go on to explain here what I see, what God showed me, is why we feel that. Because that feeling in my life at one point was what almost destroyed me. No amount of anyone telling me that things aren't my fault, that you're a good mom, that you're this, that. They could speak all the truth they wanted, but it didn't change in me. And let me tell you why it didn't change in me. All right, so it says, we go on here and we see in Genesis 3, we, go, we skip down here to 11, it says, and he said to them, so, so Adam and Eve now, they, they realize they're naked with each other. So they make the clothes. They hide from God. Everybody know where we are? We're caught up here. So we're, here we are where, where they're hiding and God's coming and he's walking, all right? It says, the man said to the woman, um, I'm sorry, let me go down here. It says, and who told you you were naked? This is God to them. Who told you you were naked? You have eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. And the man said... The woman you put here with me gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Okay, I'm going to continue. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed you are above all livestock and animals. So I want, to, I want you to see the pattern there that God showed me. When we deal with situations in our life, male, woman, irregardless of age or anything, it comes from the enemy. Amen? It comes from the enemy. Whether it be 
fostered through a relationship with somebody speaks something hard or evil into your life, it still comes from the enemy. Amen? That's why when, when God was talking to them there and they were speaking, he didn't have to go past the serpent. He knew where the original sin came in. He knew where it started. He was done with the serpent. He cursed it because he knew that is the source of your problem. The enemy is always the source of your problem. He didn't have to go any further. When something happens in your life, you don't have to go any further. You don't have to ask, did God do this? Because God is love. God told you who did it. God stopped with the serpent. He is the source of all of your problems. Now, in human nature, and we all have human nature, how many of us have blamed someone else for something in our life? Amen. All of us, all of us. You don't have to raise your hand. All of us, you know, sometimes it is our fault, sometimes it's not, but we, we've done it. And that's all we're seeing here. Where's Adam saying, but she made, she was there, she handed it to me. Now he didn't, he, it, so he was explaining the situation that happened. And then Eve went on to explain the situation that happened. But see, what happened in that is, God created Adam first. God created Eve to help Adam. Why do you think God asked Adam first? What have, what have you done? Why do you think you went to Adam and not Eve? Serpent went to Eve. God went to Adam. You can go back and look at it. God went to Adam because he gave him dominion over all the animals and everything on the earth. Amen? That's why he went to Adam first. The serpent went to Eve first. The serpent will always attack the one that's the weakest. Amen? So let me, let me go on from that and more of the keys that God shared with me. So God went to Adam. Let's read on because you're going to have to hear this next part. Because we hear, you know, the husband submit to your wives. We know these scriptures and the world and the culture of feminism takes those things and they make it bad. Women, Christian women and non-Christian women like do not like that scripture if they don't understand what it means. If they don't understand what it means, if it's been used against them in certain ways, which God did not intend it to be, they don't like that scripture. But today, I want to give you the key to that scripture that hopefully will open something from you and allow you to see that scripture in a way that God intended it, not in the way the enemy is trying to convince you that it should be. So I'm going to go on. I'm going to read really quickly again. I think I'm doing okay on time. We have about 10 minutes, so hopefully I can make it through here. But it says, and this, this really gets down to it. We've seen the apple, we've seen the fall, we have it all here. But then as God explains what is going to be the result of this, the curse of the snake, he will eventually curse the ground, but he will speak to the consequence to the man and the woman. So let me read this to you because this is, ladies, this is the power in itself. And then we're going to play another short video. We may go just a couple minutes over, but I want to read through this really quickly. The Lord God, let me back up. Okay, I'm sorry. Back up here. Okay, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done to the serpent? Okay, so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, boom, right there, right there. Why do you always feel the blame? Why do you always feel the doubt? Why do you always feel this? Because the enemy wants to 
take that apple, take that decision that you made to take that apple and go against God and make that be your fault. It's your fault for taking the apple, the enemy says. It's your fault for giving it to Adam. Adam says, it's, it's your fault. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's the way it's set up. What Eve did there was she disobeyed God. She disobeyed God. And have we all not disobeyed, have we all not been in a situation where we disobeyed God? Amen? But see, we'll see in the New Testament on down and down and down and years later, God provided, God provided a miracle for that redemption. Amen? Through his son. So you're going to see that story play out later. But it's important to see here. It doesn't say man and woman or Adam and Eve. It says, he's addressing the serpent, I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman and her offspring. We are the ones, we are all at war because we're all children of Eve, and I'll explain that in a minute. But originally we were the ones at war with the serpent. You know what enmity means? Let me get the definition because I want you to hear this word so you can put this in there. The state of feeling or being hostile Opposition, rivalry, conflict. God said, and God said things with intention and purpose, just like the enemy deceives with cunning and lies. God said, I will put enmity, the opposition, the fight between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours. And after it speaks about her offspring and yours, it refers to the offspring. It says he, and we have sons and daughters, but it says he will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. Tell you what, ladies, you are at war with the enemy because after the fall, God said, enmity will be between you and the woman. And her offspring. Men, you are fighting that battle because through the descendant of Adam and Eve, the children that came out of Eve, we all came from Eve. You fight the enemy because you're a ch- if you're a child of God, because the enemy has set it up to defeat you, but God set it up from the beginning. He said, Eve, you will fight. You will be the warrior. He didn't say it to Adam. He said it to Eve and he said it to all of Eve's children. God created you a warrior. Think about our God who would put enmity, rivalry between the serpent and the woman. There will be a fight and you were created to be a warrior. Never believe any different. So then it says, it goes on to say, to Eve I will address you. I will make the pains of childbearing severe with the pain of labor and you will give birth. You will desire your husband and he will have rule over you. So we know that that the consequence of that is not... The ability to bear a child is the pain that will come. The blessing, the miracle is the child. Because those are the descendants that will take down the enemy. But the, the repercussion of that apple is the pain. We know that. And it says, your husband will have rule over you. Now that, that sounds like a hard thing for women. And we take that as a bad thing. But see what happened in that garden is, he was the head. He was the head in the garden. He was the protector. He was the one that was supposed to oversee everything. So what God did here is, he is going to have rule over you. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like the way it sounds. You're not going to like this. But what God did and what sounds like a bad thing really will turn out to be, if it is designed and done by God, if you, with a godly man, your protection. 
because he is the one to protect that warrior that is going to fight the enemy and is going to fight his family. I tell you this, I tell my husband this all the time. Men, if you have a godly, I can't stress the word godly, because she talked about if it's a godly woman, it will multiply, and if not, it will divide. If you have a godly woman who is strong, strong, strong woman, don't ever fear that. Don't ever try and tear that down. Don't ever try to change it. Because if God made her that strong, how much more powerful did he make you? It takes a strong man to be married to a strong woman. Even more so strong. He puts you at the head of that family and with a strong woman because you are more powerful than you know. He entrusted you with a warrior woman. Not every woman is that way. Did it because he knew under his authority you could handle it. You could handle that woman. Amen? Godly men and godly women. All right. Then it goes on to say, so we get down here to Adam. I'm not going to pick on Adam too much. It's Mother's Day. But Adam said, because you have listened to your wife, you have ate the fruit of the tree, which I've commanded you. You will not Cursed will be the ground. Talks about painful toils. It goes on to say thorns and thistles will be produced. You will work with the sweat of your brow on to talk about his life on this earth and the hard life of working and the hard life of of things being on him. And that's a Father's Day message, so we'll go past that. But And then Adam named his wife. Remember, God gave him the authority to name all the things. He named her Eve, because she was woman before this. He named her Eve. It says, because she she would become the mother of all the living. That's why he named her Eve. Every living, breathing, moving thing under the authority of God that comes out of of a woman will multiply and go forth. Now, we know, do we understand now where did fear come from? Where does fear come from? Well, I want to play another video real quick. And Joe, we are going to go a few minutes past. Is that okay? Is that okay? I want to get to the end of this. I want to get to the revelation that you can take away and walk out with. And that is the revelation of repentance and not regret. All right. So, Joe, if you'll play that second video, Lisa Bevere also. You know, I meet a lot of people and they're going through hard things right now. They're going through struggles. They feel oppressed. They feel depressed and they come under it. They begin to think, oh, it's because of this happened to me or it's because my parents got divorced or it's because of this or that. And they they look at their past to explain their present. Well, I'm going to tell you a little something here. The attacks on your life have much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you have been in the past. And the enemy wants you to look at your past so that you will miss your future. But I can't let you do that. One of my favorite quotes by A.W. Tozier, an amazing man of God, this is what he said. He said, we, that means you and I, not just ministers, everybody, everywhere, we can be in our day who the heroes of faith were in their day. But remember at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. I believe I'm standing in the presence of people who are heroes unaware. You have no idea what is inside of you, but the enemy does. And that is why he is attacking you, because he wants to minimize your life. He wants to distract you with your past, because he does not want you to open up your eyes and open up your mouth and speak the word of God into your future. You know, there is something so powerful when we begin to say what God says about us. I love Hebrews 11 and verse 33 it says through acts of faith 
You know, sometimes just speaking the word of God over yourself is an act of faith. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms, made justice work, and took the promises for themselves. When I got saved and I opened up my Bible for the first time and I saw these promises, I didn't just take them for myself. I took them for my children too. I used to line my boys up every single night and I would say to them, you are for signs and wonders and miracles. You are not for death and destruction. You are a disciple taught of the Lord and great is your peace and undisturbed composure. And my boys are like, what's composure? I said, it doesn't matter. It's going to be there in your future when you need it. I learned a long time ago that my children would inherit one of two things, either God's promises or my fears. And I chose to fight my fears so that my children would be able to step into God's promises on your life. I challenge you to open up the word of God. Take that faith. Begin to fight. Topple some kingdoms that have been in your family for a really long time. Speak the word of God over your children that their destiny is greater than your history. In Jesus' name. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants to reveal to us. So we see as the Bible progresses and we go forward and we get into the time of Jesus and we get into that time where God sent his son to provide a sacrifice so that we may be saved. He took what happened in the garden in the simplicity of the sin, that original sin that started, and he took it and he made a way. He made a way through his son Jesus, the only way to heaven, the only hope in this life, the only hope of salvation, the only hope is through Jesus. There's no amount of good acts, there's nothing you can do to win or get or work your way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. And he provided that. And I thought this very interesting, I spoke about it a few Wednesday nights ago, there down in Foley, um, down where we are, about God really showed me the difference, the scripture I believe is in Second Corinthians, but it, it talks about the difference between repentance and regret, and how repentance is when we ask God to forgive us. Man, forgive us for believing the wrong thing about ourselves. Forgive us for what we said. It's that forgiveness, and then what it is, it's an action to turn, which means to bring salvation. To not to just ask for the forgiveness, which he is faithful and just, and he forgives us, and he, he wipes away the memory there in him. He doesn't remember your sin. But the power is in the turning and the choosing to walk a different direction because you can regret. Now regret, and the Bible speaks of regret right after this and says it will bring death. It will bring death. See, regret is, I feel sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry, but there's no turn. There's no answer. There's no choice. You just spend your entire life regretting a decision you made when you were younger or last week, wondering what, what could I have done different? Would I be here if I had done this? And it will eat you alive and do what the Bible said, which is the true word of God. It will destroy you. I've seen people get destroyed by regret. Regret will kill you. What happens is, what God, and see, without Jesus, if you don't know Jesus or you push Jesus out of your life, if you choose not to follow Jesus, your only thing you can have is regret. It's the only thing you can have. And regret equals death. The world is dying. But with Jesus, the only hope of salvation, you get repentance, which is really a miraculous 
tool for life that can change your life today. Not just a tool to get to heaven, not a thing to get to heaven. No, it's much more powerful than that. We can walk out our days in victory and power by asking God to forgive us. Taking it and turning and walking different. And I tell you what, that was just an awakening for me. Something as believers and Christians that the world does not have. Man, my hope is that someone today, either in this room or live streaming watching, knows this. If they don't know Jesus, if they haven't accepted that free gift, that son of God that died on the cross, that they just do it and say, God, thank you for that sacrifice and say, Jesus, I accept you, God. Jesus, I accept you. I want you in my life. I believe you paid that price to die for my sin and they accept Jesus because I know this, if they don't, they're doomed to living a life of regret. And even the day that they leave this earth, whether it's next week or 90 years old, they'll die with that regret. And that's what'll happen. And it's the saddest thing in the world. But as Christians and believers, what we have, that miraculous thing that happened when Eve messed up. Adam messed up. See, that's what they did. They didn't listen to God. They weren't the serpent and the original one, the evil one. They messed up. Who's messed up in this room? They messed up. They were the cause of sin, yes. But they were not the evil one, the serpent speaking his lies. They messed up. So what we have as Christians is we have Jesus. God sends Jesus. Not just a hope of heaven, but a hope on this earth. Repentance is not a bad thing. Don't think repentance means you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. A lot of us don't want to repent because we know right. And if we say this, repentance is not guilt. Repentance is just giving something over that has been tearing you up on the inside releasing it to God. Say, God, I know I was wrong. I may not tell my husband that right now, but I know I was wrong. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. It starts with God. Hopefully in a week or two, maybe you'll tell your husband you're sorry. You know, that's that's not the point. But you'll say, God, forgive me. And you ladies, you'll probably be weeping, maybe personally, privately. And then you get up from that place and you turn and you say it will not be the same again. And if you mess up, you leave that place intending for it never to be the same, believing it will never be the same, take actions to make it not the same. But if you mess up, what do God's people have? Forgiveness. God will forgive you until you get it right. God sees you trying to get it right. God knows you're trying to get it right. That's why he provided that miracle I said at the beginning. The miracle of that unconditional love of a child, but the miracle of what God did through salvation. So what we're going to do here as we're coming into the close of this service and one thing I want to leave you with, and I have my notes because as mom getting ready, packing, driving, moving, I'm going to be honest, I didn't bring the iPad. So I'm like on the old school notebook here, so it's all over the place. But I tell you, hey, isn't that just part of it, you know? Well, one thing I want to leave you with, and, and this is not, this is just something that's stirred on the inside of me. And um, it is really something... I want to pose a question to you. I don't think still you understand how important as a woman you are. 
So I want to share something with you. Just think about this. And this is not from me, actually. It was a revelation from someone else that I took hold of, a key that I heard. And, and can you crank it up a little bit, Joe? Because we're going to end our service here in just a minute. And I'm going to give you ladies, this is your day. You don't have to be a mom today. This is your day. And I want to tell you why it's your day. Because we are going to take a minute and we're going to give an opportunity. There are women in this room right now who are bound by this weight down feeling of everything that's happening is your fault. It's your fault. It's not your fault. You may have, yes, you, you may have to ask for forgiveness for something. But ultimately it comes down to that enemy, the lies he's spoken to you. If you're weighed down by fear, doubt, question, decisions you've made as a mom, a friend, a wife. If you have someone speaking into your life negative all the time and that's all you can hear and you can't drown it out. If you have a man, a husband, because I'd love to say every relationship is a Christian man and a Christian woman, but we all know it's not. And we know God's got to come into that situation and deliver us out of that situation in changing that person. We can't change someone. Only God can change someone. We can pray and intercede and ask God to speak to them and speak through us to them by our actions, but God is the one that changes. Amen? But some of you ladies in here today, you are just broken by this world. And see, you're not broken. What it is is what the enemy has done here has broke you. He's trying to break you. We think we're broken, but you're not broken. The enemy is breaking you. See, broken means it's done and it's over. It's not over today. We are going to get a chance in a moment to come to this altar and lay everything down the world has put on us and we have put on ourselves as women. See, that's ageless. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're a mother. You are under an attack because what happens when we move is the redemptive power of Jesus. Remember what we said. We leave it and turn it over to God. We get up and we turn around and we walk away different. Amen? Why are these altars so important? They're so important to cry out to God. But even more than that, they're so important because of what He does. You get up or you turn around and you symbolically walk out of this place different. Everyone, whether you're in the front or in the seat, you're going to get up, you're going to turn around, and you're going to walk out. The only difference in people is who leaves it here with God and who carries it out with them. And don't carry out regret. Don't carry out regret. Don't wish you had made that move into God. Don't regret it. Don't regret it. We don't always have an an area like this or a place in our lives where we can come and we can just leave it. We don't always have that time. Our, our, Our day goes by fast. Things crazy happen. I know it happens to me all the time. This is your time, ladies. It is Mother's. This is your day. In the beginning, and this is the revelation I heard. How crazy is this? Just something to ponder and think about. Somebody I respect very much as a spiritual pastor and father in my life said this. Think about this. If woman and the and the enemy were put in enmity in the beginning, and her children, if the war began with the woman and her children, how do you think the war in this world is going to end? How do you think it'll end? 
revelation that you share with me. And I don't begin to know or understand revelation. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what someone shared with me, and it was amazing. You go to Revelations 2, and I just want to create a scene for you. It says, we're in Revelations. We're in the last. We're at the end. And it says, she was pregnant with a child, and out of the pain of giving birth, another sign appeared in heaven. So she's giving birth. Go back. She's giving birth. That pain, that original thing is there. And it says that an enormous red dragon appeared, and it goes on to describe the dragon with seven heads. It says, and tailed, and it talks about it. But then it says, and then... The dragon stood in front of the woman, waiting for her to give birth, waiting for those children, that child. And what it says is, she gave birth to a son and to a male child who would rule the nations. And it went on, he would rule them with an iron scepter. It says, and, but her child was snatched up by God into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, a place prepared for her by God, where she may be taken care of. And it goes on to say for 1263 days. Ladies, I'm going to tell you this. It's time we change our thinking, like she said. Because what if the answer in your family, the answer in your marriage, the answer for this world is you? What if it began with you? And what if it'll end with you? What if you were placed as that warrior and that adversary of the serpent as he was in the beginning so that you will finish what's going on in your life and in your situation? I tell you what, that's just a, a revelation I heard. That's something I heard. It's something to think about, ladies. Don't doubt, and we'll start that, that one more time, but don't doubt who God created you to be. Let me ask you this question before we come to the end. Is there any woman in this room who has maybe a different understanding of who God created her to be? Is there any woman? Is there any woman in here who says, God, I know you created me to be a warrior. That's why I have this innate sense in me to fight for my kids, fight for my husband, fight for my marriage. Who would say that? Who would say that this morning? Amen. Amen. God put that in you. God put that in you to fight the enemy. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what we said and we're going to do what we said. I want everyone to stand up and we are going to exit this room today. But first, what we are going to do is I want to, as we bring this service to a close on this Mother's Day, what I want for you is I saw a lot of people at the beginning. I saw a lot of women who are going through situations in their life and I don't want to leave out the men. Men, you too. I've seen women. I've been the woman. I see women all the time breaking because of their holding on to weight and pressure that is not theirs to hold. Who's holding on to something in here today that should not be theirs to hold? You know you need to give it over to God. Raise your hand. It's okay. We've all done it. Yes, we know we've got to give it over to God. It is God's answer. But who is ready this morning to say, God, I'm not going to leave this room with regret that I'm destined to die with, but I'm going to come forward. I'm going to cry to you, and I'm going to say, God, I'm walking up this morning. I'm laying it down before you on this day, Mother's Day. I'm laying it down because when I get up and the service is over, I'm going to walk out with a mission that is different than what I came in with. Here and say, I'm laying it 
those thoughts I have. I'm going to lay down the fact that I'm not good enough. I'm going to lay it down. Now, man, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's Mother's Day, I know. But I'm going to ask you this morning, if you will, join your wife. Join your wife because you are the head. You are the leader. You are the strong warrior for your wife. You are the one that God gave her to. I tell you, there's a powerful thing when God joined man and woman together. Look at these men. These men, I tell you what, and I know that, I know that, but I tell you what, when you support your woman in, in her walk with God and you love your woman and you accept her for the way God made her, a powerful, beautiful thing happens. So let's pray now. We say, God, we just thank you, Lord, today on this Thursday. God, we just thank you for the healing, for what you're doing in these women, for how you're changing their lives. God, we just ask right now that you change every thought that the enemy's put in their head, every lie that the enemy's told them, that they're not good enough, that they should accomplish, that they can't do, that they don't have a purpose, that they don't have a destiny. God, we speak against that now. In Jesus' name, every bit of division the enemy's trying to bring in our lives, we break now. In Jesus' name, God, now we say, Lord, that when we get out of this place today, we are going to go out different than we came in. We're going to be one